welcome to part two of our Majora's Mask episode. Last we left off, Link had escaped Clocktown, freed the giant of the swamp, and completed the Snowhead Temple. So what happens next, Cameron? So, so, so you, you defeat Goat, who doesn't make any sense, and you free the giant. What is, is there anything in particular that the giant says in this one? Okay, so Tattle does kind of translate their woodwind cries... And they basically say, hey, we're the Guardians of Termina. You gotta free all of them. And Tattle's like, why are the Guardians of Termina locked up in these temples? Good question, Tattle. I know there's at least one of them where they ask you to help their friend. Yes. So they still consider the Skull Kid a friend. Yes, but Tattle's understanding of that line is that they're talking about the... Oh, it's the third one that says that. It's the one in the Great Bay. Because her understanding is that they're talking about the last giant. Let's check the final giant on but our understanding is that it's Skull Kid. Oh, the last giant says, forgive our friend. Yes, that's so good. Especially because Tattle has no idea who they're talking about. Uh, just the idea that Skull Kid has this relationship with the giants and Tattle and Tail, and by extension Tail, aren't privy to it in any way. Which suggests it was a while ago. A long time ago. It definitely doesn't really match up with how pissed they were at the at the imp in Granny's story. Maybe they, maybe the people just figured that the giants must have been enraged when they drove Skull Kid away. Or maybe they, and in reality, they were just like, "Hey, man, this is not cool. You gotta go." That's fucked up, man. Come on, you uh, listen. You can't keep doing this. And Skull Kid's still like ten, so he gets his feelings hurt real bad. So. Next, you gotta go to the ocean, but you can't cross the ocean because you don't have a horse to jump over the fence. Do, do we have any interesting masks that we should talk about from this region? Let's see. The Snowhead region. I think there's uh, Don Jero's mask. Oh, yeah, there's that. Um, I think that might actually be the only one. Well, he's a little bit outside the region, right? Um, I think he's still in the frozen part. You have to, th And you can only get that mask after you thaw out the world. Also, at some point, I want to come back to the blacksmith, because those blacksmiths are interesting. Let's talk about the blacksmiths. What were their names? Zubora and Gabora. There's, huh. there's, so there's it's one little guy and one very big man. And, like, the little guy's the boss, uh -huh. and the big guy is the muscle. Uh -huh. And the big guy is wearing some kind of freaky gimp mask and doesn't talk right. No, he's not, he's not best with words. No, but he's real good at hitting things. He he looks like the Incredible Hulk right down to the rip shorts. Yeah, yeah. And I think his mask might have been... Mm, and this is going probably a little bit far. Does he look like the giant blacksmith from Dark Souls to you? Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. He just kind of makes... The giant blacksmith made me think of him. I'm not saying that they were related in any way or that the designer for the giant blacksmith took notes from him, but they kind of look alike. And it's interesting because they, the boss blacksmith doesn't really care about his work very much. Yeah. And the, the only way in which these guys matter is that they're the only way to upgrade your actual equipment, your, your sword, permanently. You start with the little Kokiri sword. It's a little baby sword for babies. They can get good and swords. You, know, you can get good swords. Also, your sword can get stolen by a bird. Uh -huh. I hate that fucking bird. Yeah, it's dumb bullshit. I hate that bird. And uh, it's, it's interesting because the, the guy lies, basically, about being able to upgrade your sword and being able to take it further. And he, he actually... In, I just like that he enjoys the bad weather giving him an excuse not to do any work. <laughs> They're very silly characters. 
They are. I like them. That's it. That's all I wanted to say about okay. them. I hold on. I'm just looking at Gabor the big guy's model. Uh, he okay. So yeah. in his official artwork, he's ripped all over his body. In his model, the top half of his body is very big, and then he has skinny little legs. He Perfect. skipped like he's very much. He's like a he's like a Goran uh-huh. almost. Is he a Goran? Oh, I think he's a man. Like a pasty Goran. He doesn't have any rocks on him. Oh, okay, that's fair. He has a voice like a Goran, but like Daruk. Let's go to the Romani Ranch. Talk about aliens. Oh, oh fucking hell. Okay, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So the thing about being able to, um, how do you get the license for buying those uh, blasting charges again? You get it from the Goron village, don't you? And you get it by doing races? Yes. Like, you can win a race, and you can actually be given a license to carry the uh, 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 powder kegs. Powder, powder keg kegs. License. So it's 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 really good to carry these just giant kegs all around term in the field. You just played this. Now, was that actually an inventory item, or was it something that you had to carry and it was going to explode after a certain? Yeah, I think of it was time? just something you had to carry. Okay, so I'm thinking of Twilight Princess, where they would just explode after having them for too long. Okay, so, yeah, you have to pass one of Metagoran's tests, which you can do after you kill Goat, or you can just use a fire arrow. Okay. Okay. And then he yeah, gives you a powder sense. keg, and you have to carry it all the way down the mountain and all across Terminal Field to blow up the rock blocking the entrance. Right. Okay. And that's also how you unlock the Goran races. Yes. Okay. Okay, that makes more sense. That's 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 making things slide together a little bit. Twilight Princess cribbed too much shit from other games when it gets me confused about what game I'm thinking about. Are there powder kegs in Twilight Princess? Yeah, there's powder kegs in Twilight Princess. Were, were they mm. as comically Uh-oh. huge? Oh dear, I may be thinking of the hot water kegs. Oh no, I'm showing my ignorance right on the podcast. It's okay, I don't remember anything about this game I just played. Oh, well, it's been a while since I played Twilight Princess. I think sometime in the next month or two I'm going to have to play the HD version. Except that my sister-in-law has our Wii U, so I'm not actually sure what to do. Shit! You could emulate it. What? You could emulate it. How? Mm, I don't think that's real. That is real. I don't know. You get a Wii. Like the GameCube version, maybe. They should just put all the Zelda games out as a collection on the Switch. They should do that. But you know what we should do? Let's talk about how What's aliens that? invade Romani Ranch. Okay, so you blow up the rock that's blocking off your way to Romani Ranch. And now I get Romani Ranch is run by these two sisters, the elder sister, Cremia, and the younger sister, Romani, who I assume is named for the ranch. Yeah, I would assume she is the daughter of a long line of Romanis. Okay. Um, Also, what a weird name for a ranch. Why? Because that's just an ethnic group in the real world. Sure, but like, it, does it have does it have some meaning in the context of Zelda that I'm not picking up uh, on? Maybe it's called something different in Japan. Hold on, I got a feeling that it's probably not. But anyway, they're basically adult Malin and young yes. Malin, so they could use both models. And Creamia is someone that we'll end up coming back to when we talk about a uh, later side quest. Uh, we can talk about now how she's gay. Well, she is gay, yes. or at least she's she's heavily enough implied to be gay that I just take it as canon that she has romantic interests in Anju. Let's talk about that for a little bit. Okay, so there's a whole big side quest. This is sort of the trading quest of this game, you could say. 
right. where the innkeeper of Clocktown, Andrew, is uh, due to be married on the night of the Carnival of Time to this uh, guy, Cafe, who is the son of the mayor. And it's, and it's supposed to happen at midnight yep. when the moon strikes. Mm-hmm. Ugh. But he has mysteriously disappeared because he's been cursed by the Skull Kid to be a child and he's too embarrassed to show up. It's like, no one will believe that I'm me when I look like this. Yeah, so the the story that uh, Andrew's mother sort of sees is that he has run off to be with Kremia. Oh, man. Oh, there's also this weird sort of hidden subplot with uh, Andrew's father, Tortoise, where uh-huh. there's some dialogue where Andrew's mom mentions that her daughter's foolish is foolish because she keeps waiting for cafe to come back but it's kind of her fault because when her husband disappeared she also waited for him to come back right so it's just like she's afraid that Andrew is repeating the mistakes that she made with tortoise which tortoise who's only really name dropped by Andrew's grandmother tortoise apparently left home at some point and then died while away and it's heavily implied he might have left to be with another woman? Possibly, yes. Yeah. Wow. I don't expect that kind of story in a Nintendo video game. So, uh, anyway, when you when you go to the ranch, Kremia is visibly, has mixed feelings about the wedding. She's like, oh, I have this friend in town named Andrew. The day after tomorrow is her wedding. Uh, I'm kind of ambivalent about it. She's, she has concerns about the way things are going, and it's kind of ambiguous until you talk to Romani after doing the whole mm-hmm. Romani Ranch quest line. And she says that her sister really likes her friend who's getting married. Uh-huh. And you find this line before that line from Cremia. So the game sets it up so that you understand it, that Cremia is friends with Cafe. Yes. And that she's in love with Cafe and that maybe Andrew's mom isn't reading it quite incorrectly. But when you take Cremia's... When you go with Cremia to Clocktown riding on her wagon, she relates that it's Andrew. No, she doesn't even use Andrew's name. She says that her friend runs the inn. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much all you get about it. And it's, But it's as explicit as any other characterization in this game that Cremia is in fact in love with Anju. And it's that she is losing her, in a sense, during this marriage. And she's trying to be happy for Cremia, but it's very hard for her. Ugh. Is that the most explicit any Zola has gotten about queerness? Nope! But it's the most explicit they've gotten about a positive portrayal okay that's yeah sure okay god well uh okay let's get to the aliens so, let's get to the aliens no so 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 you get to this ranch right and your horse is there because why wouldn't your horse be there how'd your horse get there oh you know just because Kremi and romani smelled like opponent's opponent's former owner there's a boulder in the way it was there after she got there oh so because epona came in before you she managed to get to the ranch and then it was blocked off with a stone. Huh? And so that the two sisters were trapped with these aliens. Yeah. And then you showed up because time works differently in Termina than compared to outside. Yep. Okay. Yeah, that all lines up. So you get there and Romani, she's talking about how uh, you find her out there and she decides that since you're wearing green, she's going to call you Grasshopper. And by God, Grasshopper, she's going to teach you how to fight. Uh, what does she call them? Ghosts? Them. Them. She's going to teach you how to fight them by using a bow. Does she actually give you the bow? Uh, no, you no, get the it bow, in the swamp. The bow, 
Yeah, bows from Woodfall. That's right. Okay. But you need the bow in order to do this yep. part. And she trains you in how to fight them by going around. She, this she this is why she gives you Epona, so to speak. So you can ride around at high speed and take out them from horseback. Because going on foot might be too slow. And you're like, okay, this all seems very weird. But yeah, let's let's see what this is. So you agree to do it, right? Because why would you turn down a request from this girl who is the canonical crush of Link from Ocarina of Time? I put that in there just for my partner. Um, and you actually do it. And the night that it happens, the clock strikes whatever time it's supposed to be. I think it's midnight. And a UFO appears. Mm-hmm. And this UFO drops off what looks like big-headed pose with lantern eyes instead of actually holding lanterns. Uh-huh. And... You're just fighting off an alien invasion. They're trying to steal the cows. They are literally trying to steal the cows to do unimaginable things to them. No one knows what happens to the cows. Creamia doesn't believe in these things. And you have no reason to believe in them either until you see the alien. Because they're just alien. Romani says they come every year on near the night of the carnival. And they always take the cows. Uh-huh. And it's just a thing that happens every year. Every year they use they lose a certain amount of their cows. But Romani's like, no, not this year. This year we fight back. So you fight them. And it's interesting because they're actually tied. Their progression across the uh, region is actually tied to the passage of time. So if you slow down time, they move at half speed. Hell yeah. And uh, so you fight them. And either you hold them off until sunup, which forces them away. Or, or you fuck up and one of them reaches the barn. And Romani is abducted. And Romani is actually abducted by aliens in a cutscene. Uh-huh. And you don't know what happens. But if you come back after failing that sequence, you could try to find her. And Cremia is at a loss. And Romani is completely nonverbal. She doesn't seem to know where she is. It's messed up. And she's plainly been lobotomized by these aliens. I, okay. Who are, who are these guys? Who are they? If it, You tell me, Crystal. So, okay, if termed as the Underworld, are these guys from Hyrule? No. no? Oh my god. No? That's fucked. What? Why, why, who would these guys be from Hyrule? Pose? Pose kidnapping cows and lobotomizing little girls? Yeah, sure. Why? Why not just, like, swing their lanterns in circles go, and ram into you? The Gorman brothers pay them. What? The Gorman brothers pay them. Because Pose need money. They pay them in souls. What? Shut up. Yeah. Oh my god, that's fucked up. I think the one of the most fun things about the sequence is that you have no idea what they are. And that you're never getting any explanation. It's just like, yeah, it's aliens. Accept it at face value or don't. Yeah, okay. I Fine. Okay, here, so here's weird. my theory. Here's my theory. Oh, oh no. If we accept that Ikana went to war with Hyrule... I'm, I'm starting to regret this. These are the spirits of the ancient Hylians who fell in battle. Oh no. Okay. Thank God that that's where you stopped, because I thought that you were going to say that the reason that they take off Romani and lobotomize her is that it's reminiscent of the tortures that they visited upon people in the Shadow Temple uh-huh. or under the yeah, well. That's the, that's why the Sheikah are here, because they tortured Terminans, Ikonans. And cows. Yeah, cows. And, and cows. No, they're just yeah. aliens. And it's a okay. it's it's such a it's such a weird They're from a distant nebula. Is that a reference to something? That's where the goddesses oh, came yes. from. Oh, stop okay. it. My God, uh, uh, but it's better when you win. Yeah, it's better when you win because you get a pona. It's much. You do get a pona, and more than a pona, you also get to help uh, protect the next shipment of milk that's going to Clock Town. Oh, yeah, 
from mysterious bandits. From mysterious you bandits no who are who wearing are. masks. They happen to look a lot like Luigi. Luigi Mario? They do. What, you never thought that Ingo looked like oh, Luigi? Uh, they, Ingo is definitely Luigi. I'm just wondering why Luigi Mario would be a bandit. Ah, uh, hmm. Who could say, really? Who could say what darkness lurks in the heart of man? But you do protect Luigi You do protect Mario. it, unless you don't. You could fail. You, oh, can you actually fail that whole thing? Yeah, definitely. I failed it. Oh, when did you fail it? When I played it. What happens? Kremia's like, oh, hmm, too bad, I guess. Can you try again? Yeah, the next cycle. Oh, fuck, that's serious. Yeah. You gotta redo everything. Yep. Oh, that's fucked up. That's why you got saves now. Hey, speaking of cycles, why is it that only certain things carry back? Like, I understand the masks. The masks are easy to get because they are like jailhouses for gods. Okay, yeah. And when you bring them back into the temples where they originally were, the evil spirits kind of freak out and challenge you to fight them again. But why does your upgraded sword come back in time with you? One version of it doesn't. Level 2 sword doesn't come back. Level 3 sword totally comes back. I guess the gods of time works in mysterious ways. Oh. She also she doesn't believe in money. We know that. No, she doesn't give but a shit. But she does believe in bank stamps. Yes, she does. Can we does. talk about how Link just plainly fleeces that poor banker? Sure. <laughs> Link don't care a shit about banks. <laughs> yeah. The, the banker is literally a beggar. Um, I don't know if you could say that they're a beggar if they're able to just give you thousands of rupees. Like, they use the same model as the beggars from Ocarina of Time, but in this case, they're very much trying to sell you something, and that something is aggressive capitalism. Oh, they're just they're just begging for deposits. It's indelible ink that they put into your skin that they can use to mark you across spans of time. Yeah. That's but fucked the, up, and it's okay to steal from someone who does that. The guy even says when you show him your ink, like, oh, yes, Link, I remember you. And I think that he's not being sincere. He's not being sincere. He's being a dick. You don't like bankers. Uh, I'm not big on bankers in Zelda, for sure. They, they have a tendency to be like evil and turn into statues and put indelible ink on my skin that i can't get off also in real life i'm no fan of uh, well you know bankers they have all my money (laughs) yep but uh yeah 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 i'm sorry where were we Uh, can we talk about how if you go to the romani ranch uh near the end of the third day kremia gets romani drunk in the barn what? It well, you know. Bullshit. She's basically like, I don't, I don't want you to feel any fear at this moment. I what? Let, let I've me, never seen this. Hold on, let me bring up the scene. Crimea, Romani third day. Oh my god! Wait, doesn't Andrew's mother also come to the ranch? Uh huh. I've never seen that either. Let's see. Oh wait. Okay. Yeah. Here's the dialogue. Oh, good evening. We're milking the cows tonight. It's Chateau Romani. It's the first time I get to drink it. Until now, my sister always said, wait till you're an adult. But why now? Kremia says, dot, 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 dot. You've become an adult now, Romani. I see it in you. I'm acknowledging it. God. Yeah. Oh. The fact that Majora's Mask is a game about people dealing with grief, sometimes it shines through so goddamn brightly it's hard to deal with. Sometimes you just... Need to help your little sister get drunk in the apocalypse. Well, it's it's not even about getting drunk, because Link doesn't get drunk off Chateau Romani. But it's like, she's never going to grow nope. up. That's what she's it's about. She's as a child. No, she'll be an adult to her okay. sister. And that's, oh, oh, god damn it, I love this game so much. It's good. 
It's a good game. Yeah, can we talk about if you do successfully fend off the Gorman brothers? Kremia gives you a big hug where Link's face is clearly right between her breasts. Uh, does that happen on every time? Because I remember when I played it on the N64, that wasn't a 100% thing. Hmm. Yeah, I think there might be a couple different scenes. And the, and the first time, you definitely just get the... Uh, you definitely just get the mask. Yeah, but yeah, maybe it's only in later ones. Link does have some line like, "Oh, you feel a very warm feeling." Yeah, Link's growing up yeah. too. I I played this game when I was about <laughs> what year was that? I couldn't have been older than twelve. I think one, two. Yeah, it came out when I was twelve. I think summer of two thousand. And uh, when I got to that scene, I was like, "Huh? Hmm. Yeah, okay. all right, that's reasonable." Sure. Hmm. Yeah. Seems right. I was like, oh, yeah, okay. This is definitely going to inform my shipping in the future. So you get your horse. You can jump the fence. Jump the fence. And then you come across this Zora dying in the sand. Yeah, that's pretty much immediately, isn't it? Like, the thing is, there's a fence that keeps you from being able to travel to the watery region of Termina. And you can't jump it until you get... Uh, Epona. So that that bit back there actually is uh, necessary for progression. Yep. Not the part where you protect the wagon, but just protecting the ranch itself. Yeah, you, you, you canonically and, have to shoot aliens. You you have to shoot aliens. Every version of Link that gets to the end of Majora's Mask shoots the shit mm-hmm. out of some aliens. And so you cross over into it, and the first thing you find is a guy who is taking his dying breaths. Yeah, he dies in front of you. In fact, he, he he's floating out. I know that in the N64 version, he was initially floating out in the water. Was that true in the 3DS version? Yeah. So you have to push him back to shore. So then you talk to him, and he gives this long speech about how he's totally dying, right? And he's so he's so clearly weak. And then he tries to explain something. To, what song does he teach you? The, oh, God. McCow's Call. Like, does he only teach you half of a song? I don't think he teaches the whole thing. But which song is it? There's a lot of songs that aren't added onto your list in this sequence. And we both know he has to teach you a song because of the thing I'm trying to lead into. Oh, no. He doesn't teach you a song. No. No, but he does play for you. So it's like he's giving this speech about how he's dying, right? He can still jam one last time. He can ju- He jumps up and he jams one last time to give you an important message about what you need to do in this area. And he also tells you... Uh, <laughs> Just the whole sequence of it, because he's like, he's the deadest looking motherfucker in this game, short of the actual corpses you've run into. He won't move at all, but the instant he needs to, he jumps up, enthusiastically plays his guitar, and even gives a few, yeah, every time. Woo! Yeah, he does quite a few. He's, 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 he's cutting it. He's going. And then he just collapses and dies. The last of his life energy expended in the effort to rock. His animation is him, like, violently jamming on the guitar, but it's just, like, a a couple of notes playing. Well, you know, animation limitations of the time. And I think it's actually the same animation that Link has. And it's it's nice when you play the Song of Healing for him. I can't remember exactly how it goes. Is Lulu in it? Yeah, he, he like, floats in this void, and Lulu floats up under him and they like share a little moment together and then the other indiegogos are in the background and he jams with them and then they hold hands and walk towards the indiegogos oh now that's a good sequence but it needs to be framed because of the thing that macau tells you the way that he frames how you're going to move through this entire area and that 
Lulu, his girlfriend, has some eggs. And they, he doesn't explain any part of that. Like, I don't think the game ever actually says that he's the father of her children. That he super is. He goes to try to rescue his kids from the pirates who, the pirates who stole them. And the pi- he's captured, tortured to death, and then dumped back into the sea. Yep. The, Holy the, shit. The group of pirates are very evil in this it's game. It's like they don't seem that evil. They're almost goofy. Except that they tortured this guy to death after stealing his kids. Which is very different from the Gerudo. And Ooh, they're like, no, we don't kill people. Get out of here, you. Yeah, they're just noble thieves, and Ganondorf is an aberration Race from is, their code. Race is goddamn Hylians, but no, you, you watch out for them ladies in this game. They will get you. I also like how Link builds a little grave out of his guitar and gives <laughs> a nice little bow. Yeah, he he does the full triple bow, right? It looks like just All one right, more That's bow. good enough. You Triple bow is probably for thing, but uh, yeah, it's it's such a weird, funny little bit. And if you examine the grave, it's got like song lyrics that Macau inscribed on it as a ghost, and mm-hmm. it's about it's a song about We the Zora telling you how Zora controls work. Thanks, Thanks Macau. Macau. It's so good. It's everything. It's a weird blend of tragedy and comedy. Like, this man is telling you how his girlfriend's eggs were stolen and he was murdered trying to get them back. But then also he does this jam session as he's and dying. And leaves these stupid, horrible lyrics behind to tell you how to play. It's yep. it's like, it's a juxtaposition that is weird almost beyond reason. And even <laughs> though Macau's story, like, on paper is the most tragic out of anyone, almost... That juxtaposition keeps me from being too affected by his scene, which I think was probably the intent, but it also lets later things have a lot more quiet weight. Are you trying to say that they weren't trying to overwhelm the Maybe kids? a little bit. Okay. So what... you, do, you do heal him, sealing his spirit inside the Zora mask, in which you get a very, very good swimming ability, which they ruined in the 3DS Remind version. Remind me how they changed it. So basically, you get a very slow swim, and you can only get the good swim by using the magic meter. I think their intent was to try to make it parallel to the Goron magic meter, but what they should have done is just take the magic meter out of um, that, too. Did they, do you think maybe they meant for the slower version of the swimming to be easier to control? I mean, if you could do it, like, switch between the slow and fast optionally, that would make it a little easier in the dungeon. Like but just it, taking it, away the fast, unless you use magic, Yeah, sucks. that does suck. Especially because a lot of the game's jumps are designed around swimming at top speed. Yeah. yeah. That, that did create a lot of problems at different parts. You Did Did you beat the game? E- For this yes. playthrough? Okay, that's mm-hmm. cool. You got all your masks. I did not get a free oh, mask, actually. No. I didn't get the Which first one you missing? Oh. Uh, what's the one that where you blow it's yourself the bomb up? Mask. Yeah, that's I think like, I missed that's that one. Close to the easiest one to get. Mm, should go back yeah. and get that. What a, oh, well. okay. Well, it doesn't really. I like the story behind the bomb mask. By the way, we'll we'll come back to it because we're, we're each of the masks deserves to be talked about at least a little bit. So, <laughs> you do this whole thing, and this is another case where the Goron mask and Zora mask are different from the Deku mask because with the Deku mask. You look vaguely like the Deku butler's son, but nobody's like, oh, it's you. You finally came back. Even his own father doesn't. Yeah, not quite, at least. But when you wear the Goron mask, everyone thinks you're Dormani. And when you wear the Zora mask, everyone thinks you're Macau. 
everyone. And so you go around and you talk to all of his bandmates and his manager and the lyricist, and you find, like, they've got all this weird interband politics that I actually find really amusing. Like the fact that you have to help the, uh, what you, the guy on the keyboard basically steal the bass line from your jam session with your best bud so that he can write a song around it. I forget what the purpose of that was. I think you get a heart piece out of that. Oh, it's it's fun. It's it's a fun bit of little interband politics. They snipe at each other constantly, and one guy's just a complete airhead who just wants to jam all the time. I like the little Zora Atlantis yeah. area. It it's is very pretty. pretty. It's probably one of the prettiest versions of Zora's domain. This game has a really nice aesthetic when it comes to the Zoras. Yeah, I would say that the 3DS, for the most part, really enhances yeah, that. it really does. I... Mm. Oh, I've got a question on my Twitter that'll come back to this. I think I mentioned that already. But uh, so the Great Bay is poisoned. It's getting, it's getting too, too hot. hot. It's making the temperature wrong, right? So you track down where the Gerudo are, the pirates. I don't even remember if they're called Gerudo in this one. They are Gerudo, okay. yes. The Gerudo pirates. And they are murderous and bad. And you break into their fortress to steal back the eggs except they lost some of the eggs on the way there so you have to swim to the eel and get them back yeah there, the right? eels from super mario 64 god i hated that part. <laughs> those eels i hated that part when i played it in on the n64 version so much i oh i hated those eels it's a little bit better because zora link can't drown but it wasn't much better and you've got to collect all the eggs basically all over hill and dale and you've got to like help these this poor seahorse while you're doing it. The seahorse who was separated from his beloved friend. I love that seahorse. You can fuck over that seahorse really hard. Don't do that, though. You can ruin a lot of people's lives in you this shouldn't. game. <laughs> so you've got the seahorse, you get all the eggs back, and you take them back to the place where you're supposed to be able to hatch them. And it, the reason that you have to go to this special climate-controlled tank is because the Great Bay is so polluted and so overheated right now that if the eggs were sitting in the ocean, they would die. And they won't hatch until they're all brought together. Amphibian eggs are very fragile. Apparently. Which is interesting. I think this is also the first time in Zelda history that they ever addressed reproduction by any species. I, I suppose so, yeah. At least I can't remember it happening in any of the prior games. Can you? I mean, the windfish hatches from an egg. Eggs, Zelda. Oh, that, um, yeah, but I mean, the windfish was already a thing. It wasn't born. Yeah, but or... just like the concept of an egg. Right, but I mean like reproduction. Well, yeah, that's, all eggs are that. Yeah, but not all reproduction is eggs. Like Gorons, through budding. Sure, okay. So you get all this together, and once all the eggs are together, and I think there's eight of them, they all hatch, and they're like cute little tadpole babies. They're the cutest little tadpole Zora babies you ever saw in your whole life. And they play, they, they sing you a little song. And is that how you get the New Wave Bossa Nova? Uh-huh. Okay. So they teach you the New Wave Bossa Nova. And now that you have the New Wave Bossa Nova, you got to use it to wake up a turtle. And you go to where uh, you're supposed to theoretically play this song, and Lulu's there, and you play the song, and she recognizes it as being the song of her children, and it kind of wakes her up. Because she's been essentially comatose ever since they were stolen. She's the walking dead, almost. She's got that mother's instinct. Is that what it is? That she knows it's her children's song. I guess so. It's just, it, it, I suppose it's an easy conclusion to draw. Can we talk about how Lulu is the only 
Terminian counterpart of a main character in Ocarina? Sure, sure. Do you think Why, there's any significance to that? Um, it just seems weird. It is kind of weird. I mean, I think, um, yeah, yeah, it is a little bit weird. I almost want to say that in some ways, Cafe is like a parallel of Link because he's an adult trapped in a child's body rather than a child running around in an adult's body. You could say that, yeah. But yeah, Lulu's the only direct transplant of any of the sages. And I joke about the Deku princess, but she's not Zelda. They should have had Ganondorf as a bartender or something. I guess you could maybe argue that Darunia and Darmani are pretty parallel to each other. I, I feel they are visually distinct enough. Lulu's got a dra- dress? Yeah, but she her... a dress? Okay, does that mean Rudo is naked? Yes. Okay, cool. Uh, but no, like they, it's straight up the same model, say for the dress. Darmani and Darunia have different beards. Okay, I guess I can let that go. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if there's any significance to it though. It's just like she was the only like feminine coded Zora model. I guess they make a lot of new Zora models and Gorn models for that matter, and Deku models. Yeah, they really went all out for people of the other tribes. I'm glad they did, though. It, it makes those parts of the game much more visually interesting and easy to remember. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, do you see any significance in Lulu being Ruto? Um, not really. There's just this weird trend of the Water Sage being kind of singled out. Like, it's also in uh, Twilight Princess where the Water Sage was killed. And yeah. also in Breath of the Wild where Ruto is the only one explicitly named as an ancient sage. Right. And also in Breath of the Wild where the relationship between Mifa and Link is relatively explicit for this series. Yeah. Yeah. Water's always got something going for it. That's that's an interesting point. I hadn't really thought about that. What was the Water Sage in uh, Link Between Worlds? Was that the Zora Queen? I think so, yeah. That was stupid. Why? No, just the whole plot. Okay. Anyway, we'll do... That's a later episode. Uh... You get the eggs, you go to this, this dumb temple. I hate <laughs> Come on, come on. That temple has you riding into it on a giant, very nice-looking turtle. And it also has this sense of weird comeuppance because the first time you approach it on the turtle, you see the pirates charging towards the toward the giant typhoon that's protecting the temple, and they all just get flung into the sky alongside their ship and assumedly die on impact. <laughs> Yep, that's what they get for being evil murderers. Evil pirates. Uh, full t- oh, I don't... And then you go on the temple. Hey, can we talk I about am. one of the monsters that you find in this temple? Please. The real oh, no. Bombchu? Yeah. The So the Bombchu was like this little <laughs> rat-shaped bomb in Ocarina of yeah. Time. And then here in Majora's Mask, you got like this weird rat thing with bulging eyes and a Crash Bandicoot smile. It's got a big tail with a bomb at the end. Sure does. Is I don't like it. Yeah, it's it's kind of horrifying, isn't uh-huh. it? It's like it, it can run up walls just like a regular bomb chew. It can run on the fucking ceiling like a regular bomb chew. And its whole purpose is to look at you with its big, horrible, rictus grin, run at you, and die. This is also the first appearance of the choo-choos, isn't it? Um... Yes. They're not cute like they are in later games. I guess you could argue that, like, the... What were they called? Bombs in Zelda 2? Little blob monsters? Yeah, those are like Those are like choo-choos, but this is the first time they're called choo-choos. And you're right, they are horrible. They're all over... They're all over the entire game. Different elemental or colored versions of them. And they... I used to like that they dropped different things, depending on what color they were. And 
later choo choos are like these they're cute they're almost universally cute in different ways mm-hmm. like they're goofy cute but they're cute and this gang they're horrible they're just shaped like gourds with big googly eyes on top of the spout and then these big mouths that aren't so much blended into it as they sit at the front like a giant sticker yeah it looks like it could slide off their face at any time and it sort of does when you hit them yeah oh they're horrible i hate them uh you 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 pull the levers you raise the water you kill the great fish guy orc oh i actually really liked the guy orc fight in the n64 version believe it or not but it's also paradoxically the one where, that i would point to and say okay they improved this fight definitely because now it's actually a fight in the n64 version of majora's mask when you fought the boss of the great bay temple guy orc the great masked fish the only way for you to stun it would be to hit it with the uh, Zora boomerangs, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, you might also be able to hit it with arrows, but I can't really remember. And your best way to damage it after that would be to swim down to it as Zora Link and turn on your electric barrier and just keep ramming it. Yep. And you had to be pretty good at it because when Gyor grabbed you, it would do something like somewhere between four and six hearts of damage powerful you know i love having to do precise movements with the nintendo 64 controller i i like the n64 controller more than other people enough so that it's like i'm not good at commenting on this stuff but they did change it how does it work in the 3d version it has an eye inside its mouth you gotta stun it and then you hit the eye Uh, this is weird because the eyes very much are majora's eyes right yes they definitely which implies that implies that these are all constructs of Majora. It, that's one way to read it. Because if if they're empowered by the trapped gods, and you bring them to heal by hitting Majora's eye in their mouths or their backs or wherever the hell, then, like, in the first game, they were mysterious bosses. You didn't quite know what the hell was going on. But in this one, the eyes serve the dual purpose of giving you something much more explicit to hit and also making them feel much more unified in a strange way. Like, they share a common origin, but no actual theme in their designs. Yeah, then, hmm. I guess you could say the masks by themselves. Maybe in the ancient past they had power, but have since been drained of it and are had their power rejuvenated by Majora. Well, anyway, Guy Orc's an asshole. I don't like him. He's not great. No. Um, so you gotta kill this big fish. And there's also a frog boss in there. Oh, yeah. There's a he... frog boss in all the temples, right? Does he ride a frog? No, he rides a turtle. A frog riding a turtle. Frog riding a turtle. Oh, gecko. And this is... A gecko. Yeah, gecko's important for the Don Garrow side quest. Oh, I don't like this guy. Oh, why not? He is he lo- horrible? He looks like... He looks like uh, an evil version of a bad mascot platformer. Yeah. And then his turtle just got this dumb look on its face. I like having to be Deku Link and you hide in the flowers and then shoot up out from under them and it makes them wipe out completely so the turtle ends up on its back and Gecko ends up face planted into a wall. Hell yeah. That's good. He shows up in both the swamp and the ocean. Right. Okay. You gotta take him. Yeah, I like that guy. He's a good mini boss. Mini bosses in this game in some ways are more interesting than the main bosses. Let's look at all the mini-bosses. Oh, man. Let's... The one I'm thinking of in particular is Gomez. Gomez? Yeah. Oh. Oh, this, like, swarm of bats Yeah, the Stone we'll, Tower. We'll talk... Jeez. Yeah, we'll talk about them at the Stone Tower, but that is by far, like, you could make a strong argument that visually that's the coolest boss of the N64 games. Why, why, didn't, why hasn't they showed up again? I don't know. 
because I guess maybe they're too spooky. Because let's get real, they're pretty spooky. Oh, they do do spooky nowadays still, just not in the same way. And he was very much just like a grim reaper. But anyway, anyway, that's the Stone Tower Temple. That's not the Great Bay Temple. Yeah. So well, I mean, we're done with the Great Bay Temple unless you have something else to say. What happens after you finish the Great Bay Temple? What changes in this in in the Great Bay? What part of the setting? The Great Bay is no longer hot and poisonous. And everybody's happy. And you can go talk to Lulu about it. And she's really confused. She's like... And she addresses you as Macau. Of course. Her husband. Boyfriend. boyfriend. And she asks if something happened to her. Oh, no. Because she doesn't know. And you realize she doesn't know any of it. Oh, no. And Macau's dead. And she doesn't know that either. So... She got her children back but lost their father. And now Macau's going to abandon her. Well, no, he's got a grave. Oh, no. They'll find it and they'll know that he's dead. But, okay. Yeah. Damn. There's no a, There's no perfect endings in this game. No. Because, I mean, like, that's something that she's going to have to deal with. But that's also something that Link's not there to fix. Because he can't fix people being dead. If the gods of time let him. Well, apparently not, because he can only show up after Macau has been tortured to death. Yeah, she just let him go back far enough. Well, he only goes back to as far as when he arrived in Termina. I think that's the loop point. The gods of time could do better if she wanted. Could she? We don't know. Yeah, we don't know. We don't know. She ate, but, mm, don't but know. like that that's one of the things is that it's so understated that when you're a little kid you might miss how sad her asking that question is. Yeah, but I saw it when I replayed the three when I replayed it on the 3ds, and I was like, "This is the most fucked up thing. That's this is too much." Because that's they're this young couple, very much in love, that is just close enough to the kind of relationship that I have. Like, there's no kids in our relationship, but the idea of that kind of loss and not knowing is just like that. Oh no, that's the most horrible idea. It's a very bad situation. Oh, uh, this game throws some shit at you, like. We talk about how Ocarina throws dark, and it does, but it's like, it's a different kind of dark, right? It's not dark like families getting fucked up. This is where Aonuma's whole thing, where he relies on family dynamics, carrying forward uh, player attachment, really came to the forefront. It's good. So good. What happens after? Uh, You gotta go get the Gara mask before you can go to Ikana. Is that how it is? Which you gotta get from being the Gorman brothers out at race. Right. Okay. Should we talk about the Gorman brothers? I think maybe we should talk about the Gorman brothers at least a little bit. What is Luigi's deal? Well, in this game, Luigi is not trying to mess with Mario, who runs the milk bar. No. I shouldn't do this. We should actually use their okay. names. What's, Tal- what's Talon's name in this game? Link's uncle's name is oh, Mr. Barton. Oh, God. Mr. Barten, yeah. who runs the bar, yep. should have been Ganondorf. Oh, yeah, I, if it if it was Ganondorf, I would have lost my mind. The first, like that's that you you can't get into the milk bar in Majora's Mask without having completed the side quest where you protect Romani Ranch's milk from the Gorman Brothers. And that mask you get from it, the Romani mask, I think it's called, is proof of being an adult. Of course, not in the same sense that. Having a sword is proof of being an adult. A sword just means that you have the ability to act. The Romani's mask is proof that you have acted to the benefit of others in a way that the people running this bar can recognize. So you're let in, and you find 
Gorman, who is the head of a troupe who's supposed to put on entertainment for pretty much the entire Clocktown place. And he's drinking milk. And what is Gorman's deal in this one? Uh, well, he's the competitor to the Romani. No, 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 no. I mean the troop leader. Oh, hmm. Right, isn't he separate from the, the two brothers? Yeah, he's completely separate from them. They, they He misses his brothers terribly, and they miss him completely. And he's drunk in the milk bar, like, oh, my brothers. Yeah, it's just because he's sad about his brothers. His brothers run a separate ranch where that acts as competitors to Romani Ranch, and they are not good. They are bad. They water down their milk when they sell it to you, and it's just as effective but they still water it down, and that just cannot stand. Should have been when less you were, effective. Yeah, it should have been. When you were younger and you were running out of milk, did your parents ever add water to it to make it last just a little bit longer? No, that doesn't make any sense. What do you mean? That doesn't increase the amount of milk. Right, but it thins it out, and it still tastes sort of like milk. It's good enough for cereal, uh, reasoned my parents. I, I, I could just eat cereal dry. I'd probably rather eat it dry. Well, listen, sometimes you couldn't get that gallon of milk right when you needed to right yeah but then i can still just eat it dry no we were getting ready for school we needed milk on there we need some kind of liquid anyway okay i'd probably rather use water than watered down milk anyway don't sell people watered down milk as if it's non-watered down milk have you ever eaten cereal with orange juice no my dad does that he says it's good have you tried it no i'd be scared to try it i'd also be scared to try it i now i am scared to try it so the Gorman brothers are rivals to Romani Ranch, and it's heavily implied that they have a lot to do with the things that go wrong over at Romani Ranch. And by heavily implied, I mean they just put on hoods and chase the Romani uh, wagon whenever it tries to make deliveries and break all the milk bottles. And in order to progress further in the game, you have to ride with them and prove that you're better at them in a race. Mm-hmm. And I don't think this race is actually as hard as the one against Ingo and Ocarina of Time. That race is fucking hard. But um, let's see. How else are they connected? Oh, so if you go into the milk bar and you play a song, which song is it? Uh, um, apparently it's the Ballad of the Windfish? Okay. Yes, 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 yes. But that, that that's only once you get all the different uh, masks. So this is a good time in the game to do it. Yeah, so then Gorman will be mo- very moved by your song and will give you the It's not the Ballad of the Windfish, exactly. Let me play it here. It's definitely called that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They call it the Ballad of the Windfish, but I don't think it has the same melody. No, it's this is a very different melody. But it's a song that Lulu's mother used to sing. And Gorman got into the troop business because he loved the music that Lulu's mother made. Mm-hmm. And that song in particular brings him to tears. And when you wear this mask you are constantly crying yes it's like this is all of the dreams that he used to have and the good things that he wanted to make and the past that he's no longer able to hold on to and And it's just his face if you wear this mask while defending kremia's uh milk from the mysterious bandits they will become disheartened and unable to attack they just spend the whole time crying but then you get your head shoved in her chest while you're wearing a Gorman mask, and it's very silly looking. Uh-huh. You did. I noticed it when I was a kid. I was like, oh, this is silly looking. I'm never doing that again. And I never did. Anyway, so the another part of it is that if you talk to the Gorman brothers while wearing the mask of the eldest Gorman, they won't talk to you. Like, they're so upset by seeing it 
that their expression changes and they begin weeping. And they said, if you want to talk or do business, you have to take that off. It's it's too hurtful. It is. Think of their brother they can't, left. They can't look at their brother's pain. It's interesting because they have absolutely no empathy for the people that they commit acts against. Uh, but seeing their brother hurting just kills their souls. Maybe they're not and so bad after all. No, they're, they're fucking assholes. Oh, okay. Yeah, maybe they're get, complicated that's, people. Uh, no, they're still just assholes. Okay, their brother's assholes, a complicated, but they also have some sides to them which are maybe not as assholes. Yeah, I can buy that. Okay. Th- their brother's a complicated person sure. in comparison. But uh, yeah, so you have to race them, and when you race them, you get a Garo mask. Why do they and have this Garo- mask? What's that? Why did they have this mask? That is a question that I really want answered because the Garo are even on the most surface level. A band of suicide ninjas who murder people, and if they fail to murder them, blow themselves up. To die without leaving a corpse. That is the way of the Garo. mm. So why do you think they have this mask? Um, I'd say. Yeah, there may not be much more to it, but it implies that their banditry has deeper connections. You think they might be like descendants of Garo? It's possible. Like their family comes from the Akana region, maybe? It seems the Gorman brothers were using Garo's mask for ill, is a line in this text dump. So yeah, maybe they like stole it from the family that was living in Akana. They just never explain what this mask is. They're just like, here, take this, God. And it's interesting that they give it to you because it very that you've reached this point in the game. They're giving you evidence to tie them to acts of banditry. Uh-huh. But you're just a kid. What are you going to do? Yeah, what the hell do you know anyway? So then you go into Akana Canyon, and why do you need the Garo mask to progress here? There is a guy there, right? Yeah. A ghost hunter. He's Because he's the same model as the one guy who asked you to hunt Pose in Ocarina. Right. And he won't let you pass unless you have the mask. Because you have to... Uh, what, he, he, what is his stated reason? He doesn't really give a hard reason. He says, yeah, Ikana is a place of wandering spirits with regrets. They're in search of someone who will save them. If you want to enter, you need the mask containing the wandering spirits. Oh, that's why. Yeah. He wants you to be wearing the mask so that they will attack you. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's what it is. And that's a, that's a, that's a, he's an interesting character because he, you can only see him with the lens of truth, right? I don't remember that. Or am I thinking of the guy wearing the stone mask? Yeah, I think you're thinking of that guy. Okay, never mind. Anyway, so you need the hookshot and the Garo mask to get up there and get past him. Yep. So, that's something. So, Ikana Canyon is probably the most lore-dense area of the game outside of Clock Town. Hell yeah. Tell me about Ikana Canyon. There once was a kingdom in Ikana Canyon, but there was a great war with some kind of enemy nation. And that nation sent the Garo as spies. And the kingdom of Ikana fell... When a great curse emanated from the Stone Tower Temple. Ooh, okay, so Akana Canyon is basically divided into three discrete regions. The canyon itself, Akana Castle, and the Stone Tower Temple. And each of these has a lot of shit going on in it. Because the Akana Canyon has Akana Graveyard, which houses the bodies and spirits of the loyal dead who died fighting for Akana in that long ago war. Mm-hmm. Our boy Dampe is there. Our boy Dampe is there. He, is he dead already? No, he's he's a man. Oh, he's not a ghost. He's a man. Scared of ghosts. Oh, 
That's not much like Dompe as he is in Ocarina of Time, especially once he becomes a ghost. No, are you going to continue leading me on this narrative journey? No, I was just saying Dompe's there. So you know, oh, okay. there are a couple humans left in this kingdom of the dead. True. Though for the most part, it is populated by the dead. By Gibdos and Garo. And... It's interesting the way that this particular sequence works. This is where you get the Song of Storms, right? Yes. And how do you obtain the Song of Storms? It's in the uh, mummy house. And it is the brother's fury to be visited upon his brother who made a song of curse. Sharp and Flat. Yes, Sharp one, and Flat are here. Yeah, Sharp had a curse that made the river go dry. And Flat had the song of storms. Yes. That he never got to play because he's dead. And when you try to go near the source of... Uh, is this part necessary in order to progress? Yeah, you needed to go into the castle, I believe. Okay. What happens in the castle? Uh, like, what, what changes in the castle once you get the river flowing? Is it just the music playing? Oh, he tells you to go beneath the well to get the mirror shield, which you can use to break down the wall that's in front of the castle. Okay. And you need to get the river flowing to get down into the well? Okay. Well, this is a pretty involved sequence. This this is like the first Zelda game where getting to the dungeons is almost more of an ordeal than the dungeons themselves. Yeah, there's lots of different steps to this little quest. This is complicated. So you, you get to the actual Ikana Canyon Valley, and one of the first things you see is that there's this big house in the middle of a dried-up riverbed, and on one side of it is Ikana Castle... On the other side is an entrance to the stone tower. And which direction is the graveyard in again? If So if you're facing the east, it's to your right, I think. So the north? North? Yeah. All right. So you have to go through and you bring the ghost brothers together and use one's music against the other to make the river flow again. And it, that's one of the cases. It, it, that is the only ghost in the game where if you use the song of healing against them, they're like, uh, that's nice. No. It's not going it's to do too anything late here. For him to be healed. Healing is nothing. So his brother says, "Send my feelings to him." Hmm. I, I think it is the rain is my tears and the thunder is my fury. Damn. And when you play the song of storms for the brother with the curse, he hears his brother in it, and that is enough to make him stop where the song of healing couldn't. And that always struck me a little bit. I like that. Another thing where family is really important for how this whole story functions. <laughs> And the river starts to flow, and it makes the big house turn into a music box, and the music plays, and it makes all the Gibdos in the area basically evaporate. Nice. They hate it. They hate that music. They don't like that music. No. And you can go inside the house, which is being guarded by a little girl, but you have to lure her outside with bomb blasts. They can go and find this weird mummy. This weird, horrible mummy creature. And it's like when he comes in, when you have an opportunity to press one button. On this weird mummy creature. If you pull your sword, the girl comes back in and stops you from doing anything. But if you pull out your instrument, whatever that instrument is at the time, you get the opportunity to play the song. And of course, you play the song of healing. And, oops, it's a regular guy who was cursed with the Gibdo curse and wasn't quite a Gibdo yet. It's a terrifying fate. It's pretty bad. He was about to become a mindless, immortal zombie while his daughter just watched it happen by keeping him locked in a closet. Uh-huh. What was what? she going to uh, do? I guess she was going to stay there until he fucking killed her. Yeah, I guess so. That's How else was that going to end? It would end like that. That's pretty much how it would end. 
So, and it's interesting because in spite of the fact that, and he's, he's another case where he doesn't remember what happened. And his daughter tells him that nothing did. It was just a nightmare. He was just having a nightmare. Why are these two here like, again? That's what I'm about to get to. Okay. So Tattletail's like, okay, we should really let these two have a moment. And you can speak to the girl after. And she says, listen, you really helped us and I appreciate it. But if my father finds out what happened, he'll want to do his crazy research on it. He's here. He's here to do studies on ghosts and zombies and shit. And the the fact that the fact that you healed him is great, but that you had the ability to heal him means he'll want to study the mechanic behind it. So even though you saved her family, she sort of doesn't want you to talk to him. And she knows that's rude, but it's how she feels. So the implications that he is so absorbed in his research that he neglects his daughter. Yeah. Probably, or else she's worried that he'll just become a goddamn Gibdo again. Yeah, he'll get caught up in some shit. And some ghost shit. So, of course, you can go talk to him. And he tells you the whole thing, how he's the preeminent scholar of so-called supernatural phenomenon in Termina. He's seen ghosts and beasties and Gibdos and horrible things all over the place. And you can actually get a lot of very interesting lore out of him with regards to the Gibdo and the Garo. Oh, is that so? Yeah. If I remember... He describes the Gibdo as mummified people who were cursed when they tried to find the source of the magic or a treasure at the mouth of the spring, which is where the sharp was playing his music. So the implication here is that he tried to go and do the same thing and was killed by sharp's music and brought back as a Gibdo. That's messed up. Yep. And if you examine the picture of the Garo that's in his room, he tells you the history of the Garo. How they were foreign agents from another kingdom when Ikana was at war. And that the Garo that you see around Ikana Canyon are not alive. They are shells left behind by the dead. They think they are alive, and that's why they blow themselves up but they are not alive, which means that this link never actually kills a human talking person. So they're still trying to to complete their mission, as it were. To gather information. Whatever their mission is, they're very uh, tight-lipped about it. Let's see. That, that's, that's an interesting thing, though, because when I read that, I thought, where would this other kingdom be from? I, I know that probably the intent is that we never hear about this other kingdom. They're just from some other kingdom, some vaguely eastern kingdom that has ninja-like people acting as their agents. Oh, Hyrule. It could be Hyrule, is the thing. I don't know that it necessarily is, but it's... If you were the Hyrulean royal family, and you learned of the existence of this strange world with other kingdoms and gods running around, all sorts of things. Would you send the Sheikah to try to learn about what's going on? Yes, I would. Yeah. It couldn't properly be called a war, I don't think, but I guess a war could happen. But time flows so differently between them that I don't know if that really holds up. Well, there is some more evidence within the stone tower. Oh, yeah? Okay, okay. We're gonna... We're going to put a pin in that one uh, until we get to the stone tower part. Uh, can you walk us through the next bit on getting into Akana Castle? Sure. Are we still not there? All right. Yeah. You have to go beneath the well, which is a little mini dungeon. There's like uh, a lot of light. Oh, God. That's the trade quest. Sorry? That's the trade quest in this game. I hate it. God. Yeah. But you get the mirror shield in there. And once you get the mirror shield, you can reflect the sun onto a big stone boulder that's blocking the way to the castle. Why is the mirror shield a horrible screaming face? 
Ah, well, you know, it's Majora's Mask. Okay. Maybe there's a, a, a mirror spirit trapped in there. Okay, mirror spirit. But yeah, you go into the castle, you have to fight off some big Stalfos bodyguards, and then the king shows up, and he's like, hey, this fighting is very stupid, this is what destroyed the kingdom in the first place. And then he tells you of a curse that emanates from the accursed stone tower, which is what raised these dead and these spirits in the first place. Mm-hmm. And that this imp creature opened the way to the stone tower. Is that what he said? Something like that. Let me check the time. Uh, if he said it about the imp, that would be very interesting. Because that implies that it is not Majora's power that is the origin of the curse. I like his name, too. Egos du Lucana. Yeah, that's actually a real cool name. It's real Daphne's No Hanson Hyrule name. Yeah, that's good. And that kingdom's interesting to me because there definitely seems to have been a. It feels more concrete in some ways than the kingdom that you interact with in most Zelda games, even though everyone in it is dead. You get a sense of actually moving through a fortress that might serve as a fortress. And when talking to people, you there's a lot that goes on in this region that we haven't touched on. Things going on in the graveyard, like finding uh, Captain... Uh, oh, shit, what was his name? A, a, a previous... Captain Kida! Yeah. yeah! You find Captain Kida and take his captain's hat and all the Stalfos will listen to you and talk to you. And that's really fun because you get to interact with this kingdom of dead soldiers who are still completely loyal to the royal family. So the king's dialogue is, To return true light to this land, you must seal the doors of Stone Tower where winds of darkness blow through. So the the curse is from the Stone Tower itself. Someone just opened the doors. That's someone probably being the Skull King. He doesn't mention who? He doesn't directly say who, but who else is it going to be? The Happy Mask Salesman. Oh. Oh. Okay. Because if we assume that Majora's Mask was in the Stone Tower Temple, mm-hmm. Shit. and that the curse is Majora's curse, that's a thought. We don't know that Majora's Mask was there. But it would it would make sense, because this is very much the pl- one place in the game that most feels like the spot where it would be, except for the moon. Yeah, there's no dialogue directly implicating the skull. Yeah. Okay, I like this theory. Let's go to the Stone Tower. First, he teaches you the Elegy of Emptiness, which lets you make empty, creepy copies of yourself that all look very scary. They're really weird because, like, this game has a certain style to it, right? Yeah. And there's something about the style of the copies, especially, like, Human Link, that feels not more realistic but with a certain amount of realistic detail in the textures on the face that is like um this is a horrible doll thing and i hate it he's got, got a bad smile they hit the uncanny valley on it really well it's not exactly the uncanny valley but they get do well with making you feel instant revulsion but you're not sure why mikhail's statue is also pretty bad he's got like empty eyes with no pupils and is apparently screaming. Did we ever talk about how painful putting on the transformation masks is? Oh my god, yes. Every time you put one on, Link gives this heart-wrenching scream. And I think it was suggested in an interview at some point that it's him experiencing all of the grief that he cleansed from the spirits who left behind the masks. That's messed up. And when I was a kid, I just thought it was because the transformation was physically painful, which would also be messed up. But I like the idea that the masks are grief that he allows people to let go of. Yeah, that would make sense because they're created from the Song of Healing. He, like, takes out the 
all their bad feelings, puts them in the mask, and then he wears the mask. Yes. So he himself is a person who takes the pain and grief of others onto his shoulders, firstly to heal them, but also so that he can use that grief to do work. In some ways, this is the in some ways, this is the coolest version of Link just because of what he does. So you've, you've mentioned the Stone Tower Temple a couple of times, and I'm going to be completely honest in that I've never been super good at interpreting what the Stone Tower Temple is supposed to be. Oh, there's so many theories, Cameron. Oh, my goodness. Okay, well, how, how about you tell me your favorite one, the one that passes the sniff test for you? Uh, mm, my favorite one doesn't necessarily... Uh, pass the sniff test for me, but I do like it. And okay, there are so some get... details. Let's let's just start with the details. Okay. This is the only place in the game where the Triforce shows up. Oh, yeah? Yeah, there's these... Let me show you the pictures. There's these weird, like, block statues of this grotesque face uh, with its tongue out, and at its bottom is the Triforce, which it's licking. As one does. This appears to be some sort of disrespectful gest- gesture against the Triforce, hmm. which if they were indeed at war with Hyrule, you know, disrespecting yeah. their most sacred symbol. So, there's a question for you. Mm-hmm. When the stone tower flips, because in Majora's Mask, you can turn the entire temple upside down in one of the coolest ways you've ever interacted with a temple in a series. Do those statues also flip? I don't think those are inside the temple itself. Those are on the way up. Doesn't the outside flip too? Hmm. I don't think you go out so far as to see those. Okay, so these statues are basically squatting on top of the Triforce. Yeah, and licking it. And you could also read them as using the Triforce as a platform, placing themselves above it. Yes. Okay, so that's, that's one detail. And then when you go up, in the very entrance of the stone tower, let's talk about the outside. Okay. There's these four pillars which have kind of a head to them, yep. which one could say represent the four giants. Okay, I I can kind of see that. And then there's this finger that's pointing its index, well there's this hand that's pointing its index finger towards the sky, and then you light the finger on fire, which seems to be some sort of screw you gesture towards whatever's in the sky a challenge to the heavens yes and the heavens could very well be high rule or i'm guessing that for a lot of people the heavens could very well be the heavens that are shared with hyrule where the gods reside yes many people think that is a direct affront to the triforce goddesses in favor of the four giants as gods huh. why would it be in favor of the? Uh, mm, i don't know that feels like a very christian read I agree. That doesn't necessarily pass the sniff test for me, but it's a theory that's cool. Yeah, okay. That That's a cool theory, but it feels very couched in certain cultural understandings of how worship works. Yeah, there's a lot of male god versus female god type stuff in there where... Yeah, oh boy. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah, the, we're, okay, let me show you what these pillars look like. Please. People say these look like wieners. What What looks like wieners? You see those, those pillars? Things? Those aren't wieners. Yeah. That's stupid. But Banjo-Tooie had that wiener in it. This is all stupid. Okay. Now, I'll definitely believe that there was some evil cult stuff going on in this whole place. And that this is where Majora's Mask was used to evil intent. Definitely. And that may- maybe something about that even, like, started the war in Ikana. 
Now, when you first step into the temple, you're presented with this face. Okay. And when you flip the temple, it looks rather familiar, kind of like Majora's Mask. Huh. And yeah. you can see there's a te- there's a portal to the uh, boss room right under it. So perhaps that is to say that if you go through this temple, you will go to where Majora's Mask is. I see. Does that look like Majora's Mask, or does it look like Twin Mold? I would say it looks a lot like Majora's Mask. Look at Twin Mold. I mean, it's got the heart shape and the horns, although there's a different number of horns. Well, I mean, Twin Mold has three eyes. That has two eyes. Okay, that's that's a big difference. Yeah, you're not wrong. That does bear some real resemblances to Majora's Mask. This is going to play real well for the listeners. And then, of course, in Twin Mold's lair, there's these big broken pillars that have Majora's Mask printed on them. There's an okay. image right here. Oh, they sure it sure is. Yeah. So this seems to be a place at the very least where Majora's mask was used, if not enshrined. Yes. I think okay. I think we can both agree on that. Okay, that's cool. Now here's the part that doesn't necessarily pass the sniff test, which is that the stone tower was intended to be a tower of Babel in trying to reach the heavens, and then the goddesses were like, <laughs> no. And turned it upside down so it reached towards hell. Uh, okay, okay. Is this is your favorite version of this theory? I think it's a it's a nice little fan fiction. I'm not going to get behind it necessarily, but I like it. Okay, no, I, I I feel you. That's that's a pretty cool interpretation. I it's got a lot of cultural baggage attached to uh-huh. it. I don't know if I like certain parts of it, but you know that cool enough. What I am willing to say is that. Majora's mask was held inside Twin Mold's lair. That seems reasonable. Um, where the fuck is Twin Mold's lair? I don't know. Some kind of weird pocket dimension. Like, physically speaking, pretty much every other boss you fight exists concretely in that dungeon yep. that they are in. But Twin Mold's different. I There's nowhere in Termina that looks anything like that. Yeah, there ain't no desert. I think Twin Mold is almost singular of all the bosses in the 3D Zeldas for existing in this strange, impossible space. Here's an image of the weird portal you can see if you look up at the sky in the stone tower. No one ever looks up. No one ever looks up. I sure have never seen this. That's perhaps the portal that they were trying to build towards. Huh. Portal to another world. Okay. No, I feel that. That's, that's, I like, that theory's got moxie. I like it. I don't think that it's necessarily the best interpretation in terms of getting to what feels like a concrete canon, but it's pretty cool. I like that. That's cool. If we imagine the world of Termina as existing inside the dome in the way that the field inside the moon does, then that portal could exist at the very top of the dome, and it's a way out. Hmm. I wonder. I guess you... That's one way to read it, but I would sooner read these impossible spaces as just being, like, strange, impossible dream spaces, rather than having them exist concretely with firmament above them. Okay. That's that, you, But that's just me, because that moon's really high up. It's really high up. And it doesn't break through the firmament. It, I'm, okay, Link falls down a very big hole. Yes. And he goes up very, very, very high in this dungeon. Higher even than the mountain, I would say. Okay. So this is probably, v- vertically speaking, the closest he is to being back in the Lost Woods. Except when he's in the moon. Yeah. Well, the moon's pretty low by the time well, he gets I mean, there. Like, but, but the moon starts off really high. Yeah. The moon's a chunk of the dome that fell down. Is that what it is? Uh-huh. Then what's the sun? 
That's magic. Oh, What's okay. the sun and the moon? So we only like go through. We only say like it's magic once we get to the point where we can't uh-huh. like justify the well, reading I mean, anymore. The, the moon has a sun inside it. Yeah, we can talk about the moon. Okay. But the Stone Tower Temple is awfully fucking cool. I think that's the best dungeon in the game. I've I very much like the idea that the Happy Mask salesman opened the gates and went inside Twin Mold's lair and stole the mask. Oh, it's so good. Hell yeah. But that would imply that the giants are the one who created these seals. That would imply that, I suppose. They're the ones who slammed shut the door of the stone tower. Yeah, it's a bad place. It is a bad place, full of bad things. Like Gomez, who is basically death. If if we want to say those pillars represent the giants, maybe they didn't feel so good about the idea of being worshipped in that way. Um... I guess you could read it that way, but I don't know why they would have objections to it. And they seem like pretty chill dudes. They are definitely gods. Well, especially if we're talking about how aggressive that finger is towards the other heavens. They don't want to start any divine war. Oh, I don't mean to imply that they're like the ones who built the tower. Yeah. Just that they're the ones who like put all the chairs up on the tables and then lock the doors. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, and that's a pretty cool area. Okay, so you fight your way through the Stone Tower Temple, which involves inverting, as near as we can tell, the entire world. I don't know if it's necessarily the entire world. It might as well be. Okay, sure. And you go you go through the whole thing. You fight what might as well be death. You find some more real bomb chews who are still horrible, it turns out, but they're extra horrible when you're walking up on what might as well be steel girders where they can run around circles underneath it for minutes without being able to adjust their path. So you just hear this Hey, Cameron, here's another question. Why are the light arrows in here? I assume that like in any game where the light arrows appear, they are there to seal the darkness. But... That is also something worth questioning, because the legends say that the giants used darkness to seal the mask. It was sealed in darkness. Sealed in darkness. Not necessarily with the use of darkness. Right, but if you dispel the darkness, does that mean the mask is free? Is the implication that Gomez is actually a guard who's meant to keep people from reaching Majora's mask? The Ancient Ones, fearing such catastrophe, sealed the mask in in shadow forever. They did not get rid of the shadow. They sealed it in shadow. Right. Okay. Maybe there's not that much to read into it for that last bit. But uh, also, I want to talk about Twin Mold for a second. Yeah, let's talk about Twin Mold. So give me your impressions of the new Twin Mold fight. It's better. Go on. The... You can punch it instead of just trying to fall it around and hitting it with your sword. How long did it take you to beat it? Like 20 minutes. Yeah. 20 minutes, that is six eternities in a Zelda game for a boss fight. I I mean, yeah, it's still long, but it feels like, you know, an epic fight. I think it took me about 20 minutes, which was about an in-game day, because I had not bothered to slow down time, because I shot my way straight to the boss, and I started to panic, because I was actually legitimately running out of time. Well, maybe that's what they want you to feel. And it, no, that is not a good way to get me to feel that. That boss... (sighs) is it takes too long to hit. You have to go through too many dodge patterns before you can hit it, and you have to hit it too many times before you can stun it to do real damage. Ugh! 
God, I know that the first version of Twin Mole Fight was overly simplistic, but just getting really gigantic and whacking it in the face with my gilded sword, that felt much better than having to go through this entire rigmarole to be able to grab onto them. Because you can run out of magic in that fight and not be able to kill it. Bring potions. Uh -huh. Anyway, I'm glad you enjoyed it. It does feel good to get a body slam in on that thing, but man, man, it takes too long. It takes too long. Let's talk about the giant's mask. Let's talk about them giant masks. Oh, what is the giant's mask? It doesn't look anything like the four giants. No. What's, what's the deal with it? I think that most likely it is... Well, it's clearly a mask that can only be used in that one chamber. Right. Coded to the pocket dimension. Sure. And it's also a mask that seems to exist... Unlike every other mask, it exists solely to allow the person to fight. Okay. Taking some kind of trial, then. No, not even that. I think that it might have been designed specifically to restrain the spirit of Majora during the, pra the practices of black magic. Or something similar. Okay, wrangle it into control. Yes, but that would only work up to a certain point, because... After a certain point, Majora's mask is much more powerful than the giant's mask. That's true. But otherwise, I can't think of any reason for the giant's mask to exist, except for the explicit purpose of fighting either Twin Mold or Majora. So that what is Twin Mold's relationship to Majora? Then? What is any boss's relationship to Majora? Well, Twin Mold's different because think... it seems to exist in the place where Majora was stored. That's true. But is that simply because that particular giant was sealed there as an ironic punishment? Yeah, I guess you could say that. Uh, it's hard to read. There's so many things. This game isn't like a lot of other games in the series in that it asks questions of you, and the questions themselves are supposed to be the interesting part. You can dig for answers, but a lot of the times you don't have concrete answers about how the world works in the same way that you get concrete answers out of like digging into background details of Ocarina of Time. You can, Especially since this is the only game in Termina. You can't reference other games the way you might use uh, stuff in Ocarina to explain stuff in Twilight Princess. Right. But like even just taking something as simple as the background details that you brought up about Under the Well in Ocarina of Time combined with little bits of dialogue in the Shadow Temple gives you a more explicit understanding about a lot of Hyrulean history compared to any given location in Termina. You can understand people in Majora's Mask and how they relate to each other, but the world itself is a lot more mysterious and hard to put your finger on. And that's uh, that's really to the game's benefit, but it's also difficult for a lore podcast. It's definitely felt the deepest in Iconic Canyon, which seems to have so much history that you only barely touch on. Uh, yeah, it's like you're looking at a building from the outside and trying to figure out what was done inside of it two decades ago based on nothing but the color of the paint. Uh -huh. Which is really cool, don't get me wrong. But it's like when we ask the question, what is Twin Mold? And it's I, I don't know. You can point to almost any other boss in the series post-Link to the Past. And I can point it and go, okay, that's probably what this is. And what purpose it has in the setting. And where it comes from. And you can pick up so many details. Even with just like Morpha, it's like, okay, Morpha's a big amoeba that was empowered by the Triforce, sure. But Twin Mold, we don't really have any idea. 
I, I kind of like your idea of it being the Ikana giant sealed there as an ironic punishment. Yeah, I, I like that too, but I mean the shape twin mold. Like the monster itself, just like with Goat. What is Goat? Well, yes, it's a mask that's empowered by the giant's spirit, but where did it come from and why is it the way that it is? Why does it shoot lightning out of its horns and run on steam? Remnants of ancient island technology. That sounds like a goofy question, and I guess it kind of is, but it's the kind of question that Majora's Mask makes me ask over and over, and I like asking those questions. Questions are one of the most fun parts of playing these games, but also I don't think that I have the capability to get the answers out of it. It's just going to have to remain a mystery. Big mysteries to be gone into... Gone into in the next episode, where we will cover the finale of Majora's Mask. Until then, check out all our other shows on Audio Entropy.